So thank you for coming today. I will talk about uh, what Chitasu can do for the community resilience of Japanese shrinking towns. So first, I'll talk about a little bit about uh, demographic change of Japan. So currently, the population of Japan is 1 million and 27, uh, 127 million. And by 2050, it will be less than 100 million. And by 2070, it will be less than 75 million, which means Japan will lose 25% of its population by 2050 and 40% by 2070. And by 2050, the aging population is already today, it's 26%. It's quite high. And it will increase to 40%. So you can see Japan is facing a fundamental demographic transition. So this map shows the uh, where the shrinking places are distributed. And green places are the places which are expected to lose more than 50% of their population by 2050. Uh, as is obvious of this map, other than Tokyo, the shrinking places are distributed almost all over the Japan. And Japanese government has been tackling shrinkage for decades, but Probably uh, Professor Asakuno and Dr. Hirai can uh, give you a really nice explanation in this afternoon that their uh, national policy has not been very successful. So my research is focusing on how the people at the local level is responding to shrinkage. So now I'm investigating the two towns, the Minami and Uchiko in Shikoku region, where the severe shrinkage is going on. So in this presentation, I will introduce a several factors I've found in my fieldwork in these two towns, the several factors which facilitate or inhibit the local revitalization activities in Minami and Uchiko. And what kind of impact the Chitasuro can make for the better resilience of these communities? So to investigate local uh, development activities from the perspectives of uh, resilience, I'm using the model called Panaki. And Panaki regards resilience as the system's constant adaptation process to a changing circumstance. So it explains the adaptation process in four circular phases. First, the system has the growth phase, and it's increasingly adapt to the given circumstance and leads to the conservation phase, kappa. And at this moment, the system is quite well adapted to the environment but at the same time, the system is losing the flexibility to accommodate new changes. So once the system cannot accommodate the changes, 
it's entered to the decline phase, omega. But if the system transforms itself and adapt the, itself to new circumstances, it can move on to the reorganization phase alpha, then having another growth phase. So just uh, please note that growth doesn't mean the physical growth. It's more close to, to some extent, to what extent the system is well adapted to the given circumstance. So if we apply this Panaki model to the shrinkage study, we can say, okay, the shrinking community is a system facing at the phase gamma, the decline phase, due to the shrinkage. And the community resilience is the ability of a power to move from decline phase gamma to the reorganization phase alpha. And very important thing here is this Panaki model has the nested structure. So this big uh, adaptive cycle is defined by the behavior and the relationship of the smaller adaptive cycles the nested in this big adaptive cycle. So the community resilience is the integral of the nested adaptive cycles. So these nested adaptive cycles is revitalization activities in the community, which means if you have more adaptive cycles here, the revitalization community activities, and more interactiveness between these activities, you have better community resilience. And I don't have time to introduce five approaches. So today, I just uh, introduce one example in Minami. Minami is a coastal town. The population is about 7,300. And aging ratio is already 41%. It's quite high compared to Japanese average. And this town, there's an interesting movement called Satellite Office Project. The Satellite Office Project means inviting small companies in IT industry or design industry in urban area like Tokyo or Osaka to open their satellite offices in Minami using the empty housings in the town. So, this movement started in 2012, but already 12 companies opened their satellite offices in Minami. For instance, this one is an IT company that renovated old traditional public bus into their office space. And actually, the guy who is uh, wearing the blue and white jacket, he is a uh, key person. He was born in this town and went to, to the, went to the university in Tokyo and become a successful person in IT industry. And he decided to come back to this town and opened the IT company here and also working for the revitalization of Minami. And this is another satellite office project. 
They are the crowdsourcing company in Osaka. And these people are very happy working in uh, this satellite office, and they said they have really nice work and life balance. And they can work in a very um, nature-rich environment, and they are, they are feeling happy with that. So if we uh, make a Panaki model in this Minami town, it's going to be like this. Satellite office project is still growing, but there are several inhibitors. The first thing is the local town office is quite passive, and they say they cannot support the specific types of companies. It's quite unfair things to do. So the project doesn't have a big or sufficient support from the local government. And secondly, actually, the many local people, they don't know about satellite office project. Because especially for elderly people, the IT business model is quite difficult to understand. So they are just wondering why some young people are moving from urban area to Minami town. And sadly, so far, the impact of satellite office project in local employment creation is very small because the most of the people who were hired in those offices are people in urban areas. And lastly, actually in Minami town, there are several town revitalization activities. You can see several adaptive cycles here but the satellite office project is pretty much separate from those existing adaptive cycles. So those kind of lacking connection between adaptive cycle is another inhibitor. So like this, I looked at four approaches in Minami and Uchiko and identified one key facilitator and four inhibitors of community development activities. So the facilitator is actually the outlook for external resources. Those activities are trying to use not only the local asset, but also trying to use the external asset. It's not necessarily the tangible things like people or uh, money, but also the knowledge and skills and experiences. And about inhibitors, the first inhibitor is inertia of local government. The local government are really uh, reluctant to start new things or support new attempts to revitalize <coughs> the community. <coughs> and secondly, the most activity, they cannot create much uh, local employment. So they are, in a way, very weak in job creation. And another inhibitor is indifference of local people. In these two towns, most local people, they don't think revitalizing the community is not their business, but the business of the public sector. And finally, 
the discreteness is discreteness of adaptive cycle. The each revitalization activities are quite separate each other and there is no combination or collaboration or I would say the synergetic effect to increase their impact to the community resilience. So then what kind of impact Chitasur can make to those factors? And I will not repeat about what Chitasur because you've already got a comprehensive explanation from Mr. Olbeti. So I go just directly uh, talk about the potential of Chitasur to address these factors. So firstly, about external resources, Chitasur is an international network of over 200 towns in the east and west. So there is a big potential of knowledge exchange in the network. And about the lack of leadership of local government, as Mr. Olivetti just mentioned in the previous presentation, Chitasro is an association of town mayors, so it requires the official commitment of the town. And about poor job creation and indifference of local people. The promotion of local asset-based economy and dissemination of Chitasro philosophy is two of the six main principles of Chitasro, which are stated in the Chitasro Charter. And about the separation of the activities, Chitasro is basically the holistic and integrated approach. So in theory, Chitasro sounds very promising. So to see the real uh, practice in Chitasro member towns, I visited uh, four towns, two towns in Italy and two towns in Germany. It's Polica, Altamonte in Italy, and Wiersberg and Hashburg in Germany. And why I selected these four towns are they have uh, more than five years' experience of, as a Chitasro membership, member town. <coughs> and also, all of these towns are losing their population. So, first, Polica. The population of Polica is about 2,400, <coughs> and it is the coastal town in uh, Campania. And they joined Chitasro in 2007. And actually, the town mayor of Polika is the president of Chitasro International. And he is very active to promote Chitasro in this town. But at the same time, actually, he is <coughs> almost the only one person who is working for Chitasro in Polika. So main activities, main Chitasro activity in Polika is promoting tourism based on the Mediterranean culture, especially Mediterranean diet. So this is the Museum of Mediterranean Diet. And this is the medieval castle they are now using for the central studio of Mediterranean diet. And staff members who are working for this Mediterranean diet institution is actually the young people who were returning from the city. They were born in Polika and went to the 
mostly the Naples or Salerno for study and for jobs, but they decided to come back to Polica and working for this Mediterranean diet project. And they said, because of the recent effort of the town mayor, the people in their generation um, decided to coming back to Polica. And with the expectation that, okay, there will be a rise of tourism in Polica in the near future. But actually, the number of people who are returning from city to Polica is uh, less than 10 people. So it's not a dominant or significant number. Okay, the second town is Altamonte. This is another shrinking town in Calabria. And they joined Chitasso in 2009. And what I found here is the twisted participation to Chitasso network. Because the town mayor who were elected in the last election in 2014, he said, I don't know Chitasro. And actually, the person who were attending the meetings of Chitasro is the local hotel owner, who is the town councillor of the former local government. And he's still attending the meetings. And town mayor is keeping distance from Chitasro. So the representative of Chitasro, the ex uh, town councillor said when he was a town councillor, Altamonte was very active in Chitasro, but now Chitasro is sleeping in Altamonte. Which means even the town is officially committing to the Chitasro because of this twisted structure, actually nothing is occurring in the, in the town. And third town is Hashbrook in Germany. It's southern part of Germany, and Hashbrook is actually very close from Nuremberg. It's only 15 minutes by train. So they actually don't have out-migration of young people, because people can commute to Nuremberg from Hashbrook. But still, they are losing the population because of the excess of deaths, the number of deaths <coughs> over the birth. And even Hashberg is actually the oldest Chittasaro town. They became Chittasaro in 2001. They also have the twisted structure in participating in Chittasaro. So the current mayor, he is not interested in Chittasaro. And former mayor is attending Chitasaro meetings. <laughs> so inside the town, the main actor who is promoting Chitasaro is the uh, voluntary group called Working Group, which <coughs> consists of a few town, town councillors and some local business owners. And this uh, working group is led by this lady, who is a former vice town mayor. 
So they are meeting three or four times a year and discussing what they can do to promote Chitasol. But they said they are voluntary based and it's two, they are two weeks to put forward Chitasol concept because they don't have any support for human support or monetary support from the local, gov uh, local government. And in Harshburg, there are several local revitalization activities like nature conservation, uh, the food education for children, and promotion of locally produced food in the local restaurant, and also some cultural events. And all these activities existed before the certification of Chitasol. So after the certification of Chitasol, after they became a Chitasol, now they are calling these activities as Chitasol activities. And it was really nice for the town to <coughs> create a kind of positive image of the town as a sustainable and convivial community. But inside the town, actually, people are not feeling a big changes because those activities already existed before becoming a citizen. Okay, the Wiersberg is the last town I visited. It's the smallest Chitasol town in Germany, and they became Chitasol in 2007, influenced by the Hushbrook. And the main activity, <coughs> Chitasol activity in Wiersberg is promoting the green tourism because the town has a big nature park and a long footpath. Exactly. So they are promoting this nature green tourism using the name of Chitasro. But unfortunately, the visitors to Wiersberg is keep declining. And recently, three accommodations and one restaurant had to close because of the decline of their local tourism. And this photo is the the closed supermarket. And they had only one supermarket in the town, but the supermarket was closed two years ago. And young people were keep leaving from this town to uh, Bayreuth or Nuremberg or Munich for education opportunities or jobs. So the town officer who were in charge of managing Chitasro in Wiersberg said Chitasro can do a little to revitalize the community, but not all. And, of course. <laughs> and another thing I found in Germany is they are having difficulty in knowledge exchange. This is the photo of their regular meetings, and they are meeting twice <coughs> a year. But they said most of the time they have to use the they have to use the time for discussing about administrative issues, and they just don't have time to talk about more essential things like their project or experiences, and they are feeling it's really pity situation. Uh, 
So before summarizing what I've seen in these four towns, let me talk about briefly about how far can the concepts of Chitsu can travel. So in German towns, they initially had a difficulty to become slow towns because in German culture, slow is quite negative. But when they found it and they recognized that actually Chitaslo is very close to the local Agenda 21. And I think probably many of you know more about local Agenda 21 than me, but this is basically the blueprint for sustainable community development, which are you know, adapted in the United Nations Earth Summit meetings in Rio de Janeiro in 1992, I guess. So it is the widely accepted as a sustainable community development approach. And Chitaslo is now regarded as an action program on the local Agenda 21 among the German Chitaslo member towns. So I think to some extent, from this situation, to some extent, we can say Chitaslo has a cross-cultural transferability. And in Japan, in the last decade, there has been the emergence and the rise of slow movement. An increasing number of young people are moving from urban area to the rural area. So, considering these situations, I think Chitaslo can be applied to Japanese society. Okay, so about the impact of Chitaslo to key factors. About the facilitator <coughs> and to the outlook of external resources. <coughs> okay, Chitaslo has a beautiful big international network, but in practice, there are some barriers for knowledge exchange. The one reason is twisted structure in participative Chitaslo. And another factor is simply the lack of time to communicate in the meetings. And as the inhibitors regarding the inertia of local government, Chitaslo requires official commitment, but actually Chitaslo in these four towns are quite vulnerable to local political change. So once you have the twisted participation and new town mayor is not interested in Chitaslo, <coughs> then even if you are officially the member of Chitaslo, you cannot have the leadership of the uh, town office. And about the poor job creation, yes, Chitaslo can create some local jobs, mainly in tourism, <coughs> but it's not always the case. And also, the amount of the numbers that Chitaslo can create in local <coughs> tourism is not that significant to mitigate the outflow of young people.
and as to the indifference of local people. In all these four towns, the awareness of local people about cheetah's activity is quite low. And partly the reason is people actually are not feeling the change before and after the certification at Chittasro Town. And also, the people who are engaged in Chittasro activities, they don't have sufficient uh, human resources or budget for outreach <coughs> activities. And as to the lack of connections between adaptive cycles, Yes, Chitasol can bind existing activities and create positive image of the town, but it actually <coughs> doesn't create the real connection or collaboration opportunities of those binded, active, uh, binded adaptive cycles. So if you look at the impact of Chitasol on Panaki, Chitasol can reframe the existing adaptive cycles and give some nice image of the town, but it's not creating the connection between those adaptive cycles. <coughs> so, in conclusion, when we think about the Chitasol for Japanese shrinking communities, as a concept itself, Chitasro has a high potential in the cross-cultural transferability in Japanese society. But in practice, there are several barriers in implementing Chitasro concept. For instance, the political change, the lack of people, human resources, and the lack of budgetary resources. And those barriers are actually very hard to shrinking communities to overcome. So based on my fieldwork in four towns, okay, Chitasol can make some but limited impact on the facilitators and inhibitors of adaptive cycles of shrinking communities and on the community resilience for them. Thank you. <coughs>